Hello and welcome back to Last Guys Off The Bench. My name is Josh Kane and of course, I am here with none other than Darcy Fraley. Darcy, how are you? I'm ready to do this. It's been a while. Episode 4. Yeah. It's only been a week actually. Yeah, it feels weird. It's alright, we're here. Today, on Last Guys Off The Bench. It's Homer Week! Homer Week! Today we discuss our favorite teams in the NBA. My hometown pal, Nate the Great with a paper plate, Garrison. Josh and I talk 76ers. And we discuss Josh's team and our city's team, the Washington Wizards. We're recording this on Tuesday, February 27th. And away we go! Alright, so today with me and Josh, we have my good friend, Nathan Garrison. Neat! Hey, thank you for having me, guys. Dude, thanks for coming on the pod, man. We're really excited to have you on. I'm excited for this. And not only do I trust the process, but I also <laughs> trust this podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's what we like to hear. Nice. So, uh, speaking of the process, we got to we gotta start with some, some just bad things with this process at the moment. Nate, what the hell is up with Markel Fultz right now? <laughs> well, Josh, it seriously couldn't be any more Philly. Than if our number one pick didn't play the whole season. So, <laughs> That's right, it's a trend for the process. It really is. And Markel Fultz just can't get it together to get back this season. I don't see him coming back. So Dude, I definitely don't I don't think he's coming back. No, not at all. It would almost be a it would be like a injustice to him. I mean, so right now, 76ers are telling Ben Simmons not to shoot, even though he's been working on a shot. Yeah. And I feel like I mean, at this point, if you would ask Markel to shoot when his shot is so messed up, it's just going to throw him off more in the future, right? Like, it can't, it can't be helpful to bring him back anytime soon. Exactly. And I feel like if they would have brought him back sooner or earlier in the season to let him work through it, it may be a little bit different. He may have been able to battle through not being able to shoot the ball, but it's a little late in the year right now to get it going before playoffs. Yeah, and I could see him definitely reverting back to his, like, hitch in the shot. And not as Washington form. I wish we'd go back to that, but I could see him going back to like some funky piece of shit shot that he's kind of going on right now. Exactly. Some some January 2018 um, closed gym session <laughs> shots. Oh <my>. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best. Those are videos they did not want to get out. Dude, definitely not. And it's like crazy. It's such a why I still don't understand. Like we saw him in summer league and he was fine, and then they he went away for a month. And he came back, and he's a, so he's shooting totally different. Like if you're if you're Brett Brown, like you have to be fucking angry. And it has to be mental. Like there has to be a mental factor in there that really mess up his shot. Like it couldn't just be a scapular imbalance. Yeah. Like it sounds like something mental's going on that they're just not talking about. I even saw Joel Embiid. He was on an NBA TV interview, and he quoted, "I don't feel like a lot of people around him have had his back." Especially, he's only 19 years old, and that can be hard. The people around you that are supposed to support, that aren't supporting you, it's hard. So, just the fact that they came candid from a player just kind of shows that something's going on mentally with him and his support system. Yeah, and the fact that it came from Joel Embiid, too, I think that means a lot to the Philadelphia 76ers. Exactly. I mean, Embiid knows what it's like to be sidelined, right? Like, he knows, <laughs> like no, and I'm, I'm not even ragging on him, though. Like, he's been through situations where he hasn't been able to play. So he's obviously been regimented in his comeback from this and has so far succeeded with it. And it just is a shame to see like him not be able to do that alongside Markel as well. I agree. And it couldn't 
Markel is in a good situation because he's around players that have been through this similar circumstances where they haven't played the first year, so they'll be able to help guide him. Yeah, no, I, I and it's so crazy that like he's exactly what this team needs right now. Like he's the type of player that if he if he had come in and he, he was doing what he was expected to do, I mean, he's that person who could be a playmaker for them and a shot creator and somebody who could knock down was somebody who could knock down a shot. And like that that's the person they're missing, right? Right. I mean, that's why they signed JJ Redick in the offseason. I mean, that's that's still what they're missing. That's what Darcy and I talked about uh, a couple weeks ago before the trade deadline. We were hoping and assuming that Philly was going to add in a player like Markel because Markel just wasn't there for them. It's a definite missing piece, and I think not having him is really going to negatively affect them in the playoffs if they can make a playoff run, but then also just even next year when they're still trying to get things to mesh together and gel. Yeah, I agree. Key to the future is him being able to make that turn. Yeah. Do you think he's capable, like, two years from now? Like, do you think in two years from now we'll just be like, okay, that was fucking stupid, like, he was fine, and he was just doing his thing, working on a shot, and, you know, he's killing it, like, two years from now, just in the rookie game or whatever, the rookie second-year game. World versus USA? Rising Stars game. Rising Stars game. Yeah, sorry. All-Star weekend blows. Yeah, and I just feel everything hinges on that shot. Yeah. Like, if he can't learn how to shoot the ball again, his confidence is down the drain. He's going to hear it every time he's at the free throw line. Yeah. If he, like, if he can't put things together, if we don't see him this season, uh, what do you guys think the Sixers should do? Like, should they add another guard in this draft? Like, how do they proceed moving forward to fill that spot? Do you trust Markel, or do you have to plan on him not being around? I think you just kind of wait and see how this offseason goes. And, I mean, if he doesn't come back and play next year, it doesn't hurt to give it get an insurance pick in for him, somebody that you can also go to in the future moving forward, rather than just hand the ball to Jared Bayless or something coming off the bench. <laughs> Yo, if they play Jared Bayless another fucking minute, like that guy is driving me nuts. He's terrible. Like I guess he's a locker room guy, Nate, but like, what's what are they doing? He's such a liability. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. I can't watch him play. Ah, like I I think it'd be cool. I could see them drafting just whoever's the best available. With um, I'm assuming they're going to get this Lakers pick, and it's what six through thirty, right? Yeah, it's probably a little land. They'll probably yeah, be like a somewhere, six somewhere in between pick for there. Lakers. Yeah. I'm assuming they're going to get that pick, and they're going to have a it's a decent pick in this draft. And I think they'll get whoever's best available, regardless of who it is and what position they play. Maybe get a guard for sure in this in the with their pick later on. I have to say though, they've been they've been accumulating the best available for a while now, and like, yeah. is this the point where? you've acquired so many assets that you need to start kind of molding towards the team? Or is it better, like you just said, to just keep rolling with this process and keep picking the best available and like just, just commit to it? I don't know. Uh, it's, it's so tough. It's, a, it's such a delicate dance because if you, unless you think, I mean, they see him every day in practice, right? Yeah. One, I can only imagine what that's like and what they're talking about. But I don't know. Like, do you take, take Trey Young with the eighth pick you know, if he's there? Is that somebody you want? Is that somebody you, you want to like kind of try and build around? See a piece that you want? I, I think they have to ask those questions and look at the tape and see what makes sense. Yeah. What do you think, Nate? I agree. I, I think we need to go with the playmaker right now. We need someone that's going to shoot the ball when it comes to them and that can score in those key situations. Especially now if we draft somebody, most likely they're coming off the bench, and that's mm-hmm. our the weakest part of our team right now. For sure. So we don't need somebody coming off the bench that's just going to facilitate to other players. We need somebody that's coming in to score the ball 
Yeah, what do you, uh, so speaking of that, like, what do you think, besides beyond the draft, what the Sixers should kind of go towards in the offseason? Do you think they should bring back some of their guys, uh, sign people long term, or should they just, like, let whoever's, whoever's a free agent right now go and go after some bigger fish? I really like J.J. Redick and what he brings yeah. to the team. Just his mentality, his leadership. I mean, he's going nuts out there. It's like he's back playing for Duke again. <laughs> How hype he gets every time. So I think he's essential. The only way I wouldn't bring him back is if we can get somebody like Clay Thompson in there. Oh, yeah, that would be. Oh, that's bold. Almost brings the same <laughs> along with defense. Dude, yeah. His defense is much better. Dude, what do you think they'd have to do to get Clay Thompson pried away from there? Just say he's. I mean, offer to him, obviously, a lot of money. <laughs> and also try to sell to him that he's going to be possibly our number one offensive scorer behind Joel Embiid. I mean, he's going to get his shots. Right now, he's probably third on the Warriors in terms of looks, especially with shooting behind Curry and Durant. He's probably definitely fourth in touches. He might be the third with shots, but I think Draymond touches it more than him. Right, and Clay Thompson could come in and be a true hero in Philly. The way he plays, Philadelphia would just bring him in. The fans would love him. He would put the team on his back, right? Like that's kind of what Clay right. does. Clay kind of just shuts up and just plays. Yeah, and Philly loves well, that. Philly would love that. Yeah, and with Joel Embiid next to him, I mean that, and he's the one doing the, t- the talking. I mean that's going to be a, a great combo. Yep, I, and he's a slated to hit free agency not this summer, but the one after that. So if he said. Hey, like I, I don't know if I want to sign with Golden State long term. I think I want something a bigger role would be the only reason I think he could leave. I mean, Sixers would be a great landing spot for him, and they definitely have the assets to make it work. That'd be fucking crazy. That'd be wild to watch. Yeah. Well, and then if the Sixers get LeBron, I mean, what are, what are they gonna do, Nate? If they get LeBron, oh what are my. we gonna do? He would be the perfect mentor for Ben Simmons. Perfect, especially yeah. with helping to develop his shot. Yeah. So no one, no one's going to be LeBron James. But since we've seen LeBron James, Ben Simmons is like the closest kind of quote unquote comp to him coming out of college. Mm-hmm. He's just built like him. I mean, his style is like he's a battering ram who can pass the ball and play like a point guard. Like that's what LeBron was as well. And I mean, it would be really cool to see him just kind of overshadow Ben Simmons for a year or two and yeah. really just teach him the ways of the king. Dude, I was uh, reading this article, Nate. I don't know if you got a chance to read this. It's on the Ringer, and it's uh, Bill Simmons. He wrote this article comparing. It was like how LeBron could beat Michael Jordan's fairy tale ending in 1998, even though he came back with the Wizards. Um, right. And he thinks he didn't say LeBron was going here. He just thought that the the place that made the most sense was Philadelphia, and that's just like. My heart just warmed, you know? like Kind of like after oh, eating man. a strawberry Pop-Tart that was toasted. I mean, they have to... Wow. And, I mean, they have to go... If they get LeBron, they have to be favorites to win in the East. Absolutely. Right? Any, t- any team with LeBron is going to be the favorite, yeah. regardless of who it is. Except the pre-traded line cast. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> oh, that was bad. Yeah, it was bad. What do you think? What do you think this team would do if Embiid went down? So let, let's say LeBron goes there, and Embiid goes down halfway through the season. He's not coming back. Where do you put that team? And let's let's say they bring back JJ and TJ's back, and uh, maybe one or two other guys in free agency at minimum contracts that LeBron brings over. People like really terrible, like James Jones, like you know, like Mike Miller. Mike Miller comes out of retirement just one more time, you know, <laughs> just to be on the bench and like talk to people about stuff. Like, what do you what do you think that like without Embiid? How good could that team be? So if Embiid went down next year. Yeah, and we had LeBron. It depends on who we put at that five. 
Yeah. I think with Amir Johnson, no. I don't <laughs> think he's he's not a starting five. <laughs> Somebody, if we ended up keeping Rashad Holmes, yeah, he brings that fire. I think he could easily be a starter at the five mm-hmm. on a team like that. I mean, offensively, I would have to equate him to Tristan Thompson. Like on the court, he's better offensively than Tristan Thompson. Yeah, definitely this year. He's playing out of his mind this year. He plays so hard, and like he definitely gives you that effort. So I think they can make it happen, but you've seen the stats. When Joel Embiid's off the court, oh, the Sixers are a way different team. It's just a totally and like when you're watching, like let alone the stats, just like when you're watching the game, it's just like your attitude towards the team just changes immediately after like two possessions. Exactly. <laughs> Unless TJ McConnell's going off, then I'm like TJ. TJ. Jump up. I got a question. Just about some of the different players that Philly has right now. What do you think of Robert Covington? I know he just he just re-upped his contract with the Sixers. How do you think he plays into into this team moving forward? I know he's been really struggling since he signed this contract this year. Where do you, where do you think he goes? Yep. So I mean, Covington, Rocco, he was part of the process here, and he survived through it. We saw him develop and grow through the whole process. Mm-hmm. And the team never gave up on him, and he never gave up on the team. And it really did pay off. And he was looking amazing this year. I mean, he was balling out. And the Sixers were absolutely right to pay him. I mean, how could they not pay him? The way he was playing, turning into that 3 and D player. But the only issue is, ever since he signed that contract, he was shooting 46.7% in October from the three-point range, 396 in November percent and then now since january or since the new year he's shooting 34.3 percent in january from three and even worse this month 29.7 oh my god that's brutal (laughs) it's horrible and just watching him it's tough to watch because his awareness is just so off yeah well and like i it's tough because he was. You had to give him the money, right? He was playing out of his mind. And it's not a bad. It's not a bad amount of money either. In the yeah, in the scheme of contracts in the league today, he's making what, like ten million next year, and then it goes to eleven million, twelve million, twelve million the years after that. It's a great contract yeah. if he's playing the way he was. Yeah. But now he's playing. He's let's put it this way: Williams is making eight million dollars a year the next three years, uh-huh. and right. Covington's getting paid more than him and isn't playing any defense. And that was like that's one of the reasons they were like comfortable paying him. Exactly. <laughs> and he, he has had some stuff going on since that contract. Soon yeah. after he signed that, one of his childhood friends did die. Mm. They passed away. And that you could kind of tell that kind of messed him up. And he also had that injury versus the Cavaliers where he fell into like a metal box out of bounds. And it took some time for him to get back from that. So I'm not sure if that stuff is factored in, but it definitely did a blow to his confidence. Mm. And you can just tell his head isn't right. Yeah. One thing that bothers me about Covington is his focus. So um, Roku needs to stop calling out haters on social media, which he always <laughs> does. You can always see him calling them out on Twitter. People like Mark. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he needs to start looking in the mirror at himself and realize that his offensive productivity, specifically his awareness and shooting, and also his defense now, are even shittier than his hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't want to bring up the hairstyle, but it seems like ever since he changed his hairstyle, he's just sucked as a player. Yeah. Like it seems like that was the switch. Maybe that was that maybe that's the that's the answer. It's like I've never seen anybody with that kind of hair. It's very weird. <laughs> and now he's going with that ponytail, just looking like Fabio out there. He <laughs> <laughs> looks like a uh, uh, Alberto. Remember that guy from the Spurs? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think you think he's going to turn it around? You think the Sixers at this point regret it? Think they should have? They should have waited until the off season? I don't know if they regret it. I think it was due. I mean, yeah, the way he played last year and the beginning of this year, how could you not pay him? Yeah, I think they just need to hope that he recovers from it. He's just in a long slump, and let's hope he gets it back together next year because he is key for that starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And when you started this season, they would be willing to bring Saric or Redick off the bench to yeah. leave Cummington in the lineup. So I still think they want to go that way. Just defensively, if he can get back to where he was, he's just essential for guarding these other players like Durant or LeBron and giving a break for Simmons. No, oh, he's, he's so capable. He actually reminds me of a more polished but not as offensively dominant Iguodala. Like he couldn't take over a game like Iggy could. Like Iggy was a freak athletically, but defensively, like at, at this age and at this time, like Roko's up there. Like he's he's doing good. You know, he was doing good, and he was shooting the three like crazy. I agree. I feel like that's a great comparison, him and Iggy. Yeah, and I, I, history is also on Covington's side. I mean, he's been in the league for four years now, and over I mean over that four year span, he's shot like thirty nine forty percent from the floor. Uh, he shot like thirty six. 35% from three, like, he isn't, he, he's going to recoup at some point, right? Like, yeah. just history shows that, like, he's not going to just drastically fall uh, four years into his career and never come back. Like, he's been too good of a player to do that. Yeah, I hope it's just in his head and he just, he doesn't start messing with a shot. Yeah, maybe he'll catch some confidence here to end the year, and especially when they go in the playoffs, that would be a perfect confidence builder if he got it back then. So, do you think, so they just gave Covington all this money, how do you think TJ McConnell feels um, knowing that he didn't get he didn't get any of it, right? He didn't have the extension. He doesn't know where he's going to play next year. Uh, I was listening to a podcast where he was on with JJ Redick, and he's like, I could be over in Europe next year. Like, you never know, right? But he's been working his ass off. He's part of that process. He made it through. He's one of those surprises. Like, what do you think the Sixers do with him, and like, where does he go? I feel like he is a key player off the bench for us because he brings that fire every time, and he can... His defense gets people riled up. Oh yeah, out there. I almost compare him to Matthew Delladova. That's what, oh, exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Yep, great comparison. Yep. And so when he was on the Cavaliers, he was essential to those playoff runs, especially the one where LeBron was by himself his first year back on the Cavs. When Delhi went into the hospital because he was guarding, <laughs> he's he was going guarding so hard. So like, <laughs> and like he was huge in that playoff series. Yeah, absolutely. I would the behind LeBron, Delladova may have been the most important person in that series. Yeah, the way he guarded Curry, <laughs> dude. And uh, McConnell, like like you said, he gets everybody so hyped, and he's that guy. He's so capable of getting you into your offense. He's not going to be able to score much, but you know he's going to get the ball to the right spot. And that was instant as soon as he got in the league. Yep, exactly. He never picks up his dribble. Yeah. No matter what, he's always dribbling that ball. Yeah, dude. TJ's the fucking man. I hope they sign him this off season, and because I'm sure he's not looking for much money here, and I can't imagine he'd get much on the open market, but. He has to be committed to the Sixers too, right? I mean, the Sixers gave him his chance. Yeah. Like well, he loves Brett Brown. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like he knows what he can bring to the table. I don't feel like his ceiling is much higher than where he's been. Yeah, I feel like he's reached it, but 
I mean, what he showed us right now is what you want coming off of the bench. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know he can step in for a couple games if need be. If like Ben Simmons went down or something, you could as long as you have the core around him, he could continue to kind of push the team forward. Uh, so Nate, I know you already mentioned um, this next player when you were talking about Robert Covington a little bit, uh, but Dario Saric, uh, where does he fit into this team? He's obviously been an important piece of this team so far throughout this year and in his career since he was drafted. Uh, he's really kind of continuously stepped up his game, but he seems to kind of be, at least from what I see with the Sixers, kind of on the fence with what his role is. He seems to be an overqualified like bench player at times, but then also an underqualified like starting rotational player. Again, that's just how I see it, and people may think differently. But like, where do you think he lands? Uh, where do you think he can succeed this season with the Sixers, and then just beyond this season as well? Yeah, I feel like that's a safe view for him. Uh, just the fact that when Embiid and Simmons are in there, it seems like he's just kind of the third wheel. Just. Um, he'll get some garbage buckets or some good passes from Simmons for a dunk. The big thing with Sarge is I feel even though when he doesn't score, he makes an impact on the game, uh, whether it be defensively, uh, just being in the right position on offense, keeping the court spaced. He just is out there making the right plays. You don't usually see him make too many mistakes. One big thing is when Embiid is out of the lineup, his stats offensively, Shooting, points, rebounds, assists, everything is way up. <laughs> That's interesting. So that is one key with Embiid being so liable to injuries. The fact that Sarge can step up on those games is huge. Yeah, maybe he's capable of even continuing to grow on that. And if Embiid were to get seriously hurt in the season, he could carry them for a couple stretches. Exactly. I mean, could Dario fit into a nice, like, legitimate six-man role? Like, is that something that's feasible for him? They have brought him off the bench, and I think sometimes it just takes a little for him to get going. Yeah, I feel like he would adjust to that, but I know the way he plays, he wants to be out there starting. Yeah, I feel like he gets in, he gets in a better rhythm when he starts. Like he definitely seems more comfortable in that situation. You can tell though when he gets tired when he's playing a ton, his jump shot really falls off, and you can see it every time. Mark Zumoff will mention it. <laughs> Mark Zumoff, especially when they have a back to back and he played a lot. <laughs> His shot is short every time, and it's just his legs getting tired. He doesn't have much jumping ability. He's about as wide as they get. <laughs> Dude, remember uh, Mark Zumoff when the Sixers have Kyle Korver? Oh, man. K squared equals three. Cook me up some instant Korver. <laughs> 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 Mark Zumoff's the best, man. He's the best announcer. I love him. Uh. You you can't go wrong with him. And that I'm going to jump to it now. We're going to share some of our favorite Philly moments. And speaking of Mark Zumoff, he's one of them. The games <laughs> wouldn't be the same if he wasn't doing the announcing. Dude, absolutely. Remember when they had Malik Rose? Who's, who's with him now? I don't remember. I don't know who it is. It is Abda Ali. Abda Ali. I, I'm not sure how to say it. <laughs> you remember uh, Malik Rose, though? That guy was nuts. Like he, I don't think he ever played for the Sixers. He just like randomly started announcing for them. <laughs> yeah, it, it was really random and awkward. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were a crazy pair. Mark Zumoff is awesome, dude. But before that, back in the Iverson days, was Steve Mix, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, speaking of Iverson, though, like, okay, what what's your like favorite Iverson moment? I, one of my favorites back. I forget what year it was. He hit a game winner against the Washington Wizards. Oh, yeah, sorry, Josh. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. 
I respect. He went like the whole court and hit a buzzer beater and just like went over to the fans, just lifting up his arms, getting them so hyped. And Zoom off is over there screaming his head off. <laughs> that and that was just a regular season game, but that's yeah. probably up there with one of my most memorable. Dude, I, I, there's nothing like seeing. There was nothing like seeing Allen Iverson fill up the stadium in Philadelphia and like yeah. fans just going crazy. I mean, he was when, the Sixers, right? Like, yeah, it was his team. I mean, was, I thought it was Mac Iger's team, but <laughs> Tyrone Hill, man, Aaron McKee, that team was stacked. Eric Snow, he carried the most least qualified team. That team was, and they beat some good teams. They beat that Raptors team with Vince Carter at the after they lost McGrady. Um, that team was good. They had like Anthony Davis and Charles Oakley at the tail end, and then they also beat the Bucks with Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, and Glenn Robinson. Like that team, that Bucks team was way better than the Sixers team. And Darcy, Darcy, what's one of your favorite moments of the Sixers? Dude, remember uh, that that playoff game we went to in 2012? It was like the last year the Celtics were together, I think. And Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah, and they were playing them in the first round. Sixers had, what was that team? It was like Drew Holiday, Iggy, Lou Williams. Uh, was Andre Miller on that team? Andre, yo, Andre, <laughs> yo. the professor. Yeah. Yo, yo, let me come back to Andre Miller in a second, but... uh. <laughs> that when we saw them play game six and that place was packed and what didn't it go into like overtime or something i think it went into two or three overtimes yeah and that game they won game six to take it to seven games and go back to boston and nate and i were at that game and it was insane like the crowd was just going crazy we had like the towels whipping it around that's awesome dude i can only imagine but yeah, nate, remember when we saw andre miller in south beach Oh yes, at the bar <laughs> after the Heat Blazers game. Yeah, that was yeah. After we saw him play, after we saw him beat the Heat, and this is like the first year the Heat were together. Yep. And they they were like they had just lost a bunch in a row. They were like nine and eight, and uh-huh. like they just lost this game against the Blazers to make them like nine and nine or nine and ten something like that. And we saw Andre Miller just roll up into Wet Willies on South Beach with a big Wet Willies. Yeah. <laughs> and it may have been like a half hour after the game. Yeah, it was, like, it was like, he didn't he didn't ice. Hey, this guy's like, at this age, what, he's probably like 32, 33, 34. Like, he was old, right? Yeah. Like, 20, yeah, 2011, he was old. And, like, he just rolls up into this fucking club 30 minutes after the game. Like, he probably just got there when we got there. That was nuts. Yo, uh, throwback to NBA Jam and NBA Showtime. Boom, shakalaka. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, we were just playing NBA Showtime this weekend, but if Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were in NBA Showtime, who's messing with them? Oh, man, that's a beast lineup. <laughs> Even though Simmons is like a two from three points. <laughs> I mean, you could just you could just beat Embiid the whole game oh, yeah, at three. Yeah. Nobody's blocking him. No, he'd be nasty in those games. Who would be your best duo for NBA Jam? Like current players? Or just in all-time current oh, players? Man. Oh, I mean, I, so Michael Jordan wasn't in those games, but if he had been, him and Scotty would have been really tough. Dude, I was thinking that same thing. Yeah, that team was that tough. Exact, who would beat them? I don't know. What about a LeBron and Wade duo? Oh, Miami? Miami, LeBron, and Wade. In that type of game, though, they would be lethal. Or hell, you could throw yeah. Bosch in there, too, and re- replace Wade even if you want. Like. Yeah. No, what about um, like Magic Johnson and like James Worthy or Kareem? That would have been Ooh, a tough team. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking Tom Chambers and uh, Dan Alexio <laughs> from the Suns, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Curry and Durant. Well, yeah, that'd be, uh, that'd that'd be, be good. Tough. That'd be really difficult. Do you want to take things just back to the Sixers this season and just see what you both think, like what the what the Sixers ceiling is as a team? Uh, they are slated to be able to make the playoffs right now. 
I believe they are currently 7th in the East, and they're a couple games up of 8th place. Do you expect this team to make the playoffs? Do you expect them to be able to make a run? Are they going to win a round at all? Like, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts? I personally think they will make the playoffs. Depending on what, I mean, the seeds, they could be 5th or 8th by the matter of one game could influence that. It's so mm-hmm. close right now. I feel like their season will be a success, not only if they make the playoffs, but if they at least have a competitive series. I mean, it's huge. They haven't been in the playoffs for probably nearly a decade. No, it was uh, 2012. It was that year, I think. And oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. They, then they went after Bynum. And that's right. That's The process started after that. So, so I, mean, I... Oh, go ahead, Nate. I feel like they, they could definitely make a threat to win a series if they're going up. Let's say they're the fifth seed. They go up against Washington, even though they can't win in Washington. <laughs> I feel like they could make it a really good series and push them to the limit. Yeah. If, if they're playing the Cavaliers, no chance. They're playing Celtics, no chance. I'm going to... So... I'm going to go on the other side of the fence real quick because I think if they were playing the Celtics, they'd give them a run. And I think they'd scare them a little bit. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to beat them, but I think that'd be a really fun series and probably go six games. I think it'd be a tough matchup for the Celtics yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, because, I mean, Horford can match up with Embiid, I think, pretty well. But I don't know who's guarding Simmons. That's true. I mean, they can... The, the issue is Irving is just so... Yeah, he's so we good. can't guard him. Nobody on our team can guard Irving. I mean, except for McConnell, he's like <laughs> TJ, TJ, <laughs> TJ. <laughs> no, I think as long as the Sixers make the playoffs, this has been a great year, and I think they're in a good position right now. They're four games up from the Pistons, like you said. The five through eight is just like it's a it's a cluster, so I think they could go anywhere there. But yep, and the playoffs is going to be key for influencing free agents, definitely to come to Philadelphia. So they need to make it a competitive series and really show the NBA that they're serious. And it's not just a game that they are getting over the process now. I mean, Darcy and I mentioned this on our podcast last week, but I mean, of all of the many, the various teams in the East uh, that are either set to be in the playoffs right now or in the running for it, like Philly is one of the teams that you would be more scared of seeing just because they are such a, like, you don't know what you're going, what you're going to get. If you get their best, you very well could lose a series. Um, but they still need to show that. But they are kind of like that firework team that would really scare a lot of others in a matchup. For sure. I agree. And usually they are the best efficiently. In the NBA, if you look at efficiency, they, they're amazing. But they shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers, blowing yeah. leads. It's a young team. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you got anything else you want to add to the Sixers, Nate? No, I think that's everything. We covered a lot of it. A lot of the issues. Go Sixers, man. There's not too many issues. They're just they're looking up, man. We're, it's looking good. It's all Hell process. Yeah. It's all process. <laughs> <laughs> Let's trust it. All right, so I do want to move over to um, some more of my interests, selfishly, with the Washington Wizards, uh, Darcy and I's current hometown team at the moment. Nate, do you want to hang on to talk Wizards with us? Are you, are you up for Definitely. that? Definitely. They're an interesting team. I'll stay on for this one. Awesome. Yeah, not as cool as the Sixers, but yeah, you know, exactly. But <laughs> they're a fun team to watch. So yeah. they are. They're a fun team. They're an interesting team. They're a confusing as hell team. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, like, what do they do? Are they gonna Are they gonna keep this core together? Like, is it worth keeping together? You have to keep this core together. Uh, I I refuse to really listen to anyone who says <laughs> you have to break these guys up. Like developing this core from scratch is what teams dream about in the NBA, right? They drafted Bradley Beal, they drafted John Rawl, they drafted Kelly Oubre, they drafted Otto Porter. 
Uh, all these guys, they literally built from scratch. They signed Gortat. They signed, <laughs> <laughs> most importantly. Yeah. Um, but you can't throw this away. Um, they have these guys, this current core. I'm, I'm assuming this core involves John Rawl, Bradley Beal, Kelly Oubre, and Otto Porter. They're their best players at the moment. I want to throw Sadoransky in there yeah. too because I fucking love Sadoransky. You gotta. Um, but as of now, like those four main players are locked up together through the 2020 season. Kelly Oubre has one year left in his rookie contract, so he's not quite as locked up. Mm-hmm. But um, an extension is in play there for him, obviously, if the Wizards can make it happen financially. And I think these guys are too good to just split up. They haven't met their ceiling yet. They haven't hit their full potential. And they are still young, and they are still putting things together. Uh, you can't blow it up. You think John Wall and Bradley Beal at the top of your lineup there are good enough to carry them to a title? <sighs> they haven't proven it yet, right? Yeah. And, I mean, a big thing in the NBA, you got to prove what you're capable of. Beal and Wall both, I feel, when they're paired together and when they're playing well, at any given time, they could be, like, two of the best players on the floor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, if LeBron is on the floor, LeBron's going to be better than Wall and Beal. Like, there, there, are, there are obvious kind of just things that go against that statement. Yeah, but you'd rather have Beal than Love, right? I would think so. Yeah. Like, I feel like holistically, at least in how they can be used, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes into Kevin Love and the yeah, Cavaliers yeah, yeah. and whatnot. But, that. but, like, Wall and Beal, like, collectively can be a great one-two option if you kind of lump them together. Yeah. Uh, one of the best in the league. Portland's been kind of fumbling around with having, like, a great one-two guard combo for a while in Willard and McCollum. I think Wall and Beal are way better than them. Wall and Beal can play defense. Lillard and McCollum can't at all. Uh, and I think Wall and Beal have the ability to be better offensively as well. Obviously, like, Wall and Beal haven't been able to really coexist yet. Their, their off-the-court issues have been documented for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite kind of half-assed internet research things that I found, back in 2013, their former teammate Nene, who's now in the Rockets, he said, assumingly about Wall and Beal, our young guys got to take their heads out of their asses and play the right way. And that's been their battle for years. So I don't know. A lot of their issues are off the court. I feel like they're two very different people. Uh, from what I read and from what I hear, Beal is like a quieter guy who doesn't get out much, whereas John Wall kind of likes to hit up DC nightlife. He likes to party. He's pretty social. Mm-hmm. Beal is a guy who spends a ton of time in the gym. He works his ass off. Wall is a guy who obviously works really hard, but doesn't put in the same amount of time as Beal, but he ends up getting better results, right? He ends, he's a four-time All-Star, five-time All-Star, Beal's a one-time All-Star. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure a lot of that friction can actually build up, especially for many of these NBA players who, like, are in the NBA because they have the ego to be in the NBA. Absolutely. And you got to remember that this team was one game away from going to the conference finals. Should have beat that Celtics team for sure. I mean, we that were, Celtics team pulled it out of their ass. We were we were one Scott Brooks playing Jan Mahimi instead of Kelly Oubre game away. A <laughs> uh, lot of bad memories, but I don't know, man. Like Wall and Beal, they're so good. Yeah. Like I just can't stress enough. Like when they're on the court together, it's incredible to watch. They complement each other so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beal's like Beal's one of the best two guards in the league. Um, and watching him take control of the games when uh, Wall has been down this season from his injury, I think has been like incredible to see. It's been incredible Absolutely. to see Beal just roll with it. Mm-hmm. He can, he's kind of old school. He's like an old school two guard, which you don't you don't see a lot of just classic two guards anymore, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of a dying art. Absolutely. Um, but he's a guy who can create his own drives into the basket, basically whenever he wants to. 
instinct shots all over the floor. And when you kind of pair his his like skill to run secondary options off the ball with John Wall's skill of just being a freaking powerhouse and like jamming the ball down people's throats and using his crazy athleticism and burst, like they're a great duo. Absolutely. Do you remember uh, when Paul Pierce was on that team? I do remember when Paul Pierce was on that team, and I think having Paul Pierce there was one of the like best best iterations of the Wall and Beal duo that we've seen. Fat Paul Pierce really got him in order, man. <laughs> no, Paul Pierce was a winner. <laughs> Paul Pierce, I think one of the one of the key issues with these guys is that they don't really know how to win yet, again, because yeah. they're so young they don't have the experience. But they and, do have the experience. But do they? I mean, they've been in the playoffs the past like four years. But going back to even college, these guys like haven't been like crazy winners, right? I mean, I mean John Wall was on an under, underachieving Kentucky team. Sure. Um, you could say the same thing about Bradley Beal on his Florida team. They yeah, lost in the Sweet 16. They were yeah. supposed to be way better than that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like when, when, when Pierce was there, they had some legitimate leadership. He was probably able to suppress some of their like bickering back and forth like little kids. Yeah. Throwback, though, to one of my favorite Wizards moments, uh, the 2015 playoffs... Game three of the Eastern Conference semis. Darcy, you have to remember this. <laughs> the Wizards were playing the 60-win Hawks team. Series was tied one-to-one. There was like six seconds left. Pierce got stuck at the like, top of the key, kind of on the left-hand side yeah, of the yeah, key, yeah. right inside the three-point line. He keeps the ball, can't get rid of it. Drills not only a fadeaway, just like a falling-away shot, <laughs> banks it into the basket. It was incredible. Like the, the Verizon Center, now Capital One Arena, was, I don't know was going just... crazy. <laughs> I mean, such a good moment. And that's like peak Paul Pierce. And I still think that was also peak Bradley Beal and John Wall. Yeah, it's one of the rare times that Washington actually cheered in that stadium. <laughs> it's hard to get fans <laughs> out there. It really is. Dusty, what do you think? The like As as a non-biased Wizards fan, what do you think this, this ceiling is for a duo like Wall and Beal? Aside from the guys around them. Uh, I think... That core is good enough to win a title. Like okay. those two guys together, if their if their heads are right, they can win a title. They need they need a better supporting cast around them. I mean, they have Gortat, and I love Gortat, but he's on he's not on a good contract. Uh, oh, he's not on a good end of the. It was worth signing him when they did. I mean, they wanted to keep that core together. It was worth keeping him. But, but now, right now they're paying the consequences. Yeah, paying the consequences. <laughs> he can still run the pick and roll. He's still he's still relatively efficient. He's way better than Mahimi, I think. But they need somebody better than that at that position, and. I also think they need to find a way to keep Otto Porter engaged because you have him under wraps for what twenty five million a year for the next three years after this. That could potentially be a really scary contract in a couple uh, next year. <laughs> and it's already kind of scary. He's he's they're paying him for potential, and right now he's not living up to it. Well, they're only paying for potential. They're paying him because he actually he, he actually he succeeded performed. really well last year. Last year he was a top five three point shooter in the league. He was top top like statistically. I know his stats are different from the eye test, but statistically, he was a top three like all around shooter in the league. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, Otto Porter, he he's really like such a versatile player, and if he is like your third or fourth best player on the floor, you're in an incredibly good yeah, place, good right? That's like a great place to be. Absolutely, he can be the perfect sidekick to Beal and Wall, just like he was last year. Yeah, he he has a seven foot wingspan, like just the the things that he can do with the ball, the the random shots that they take that don't look good but still go in happen pretty frequently. That's not always a good thing, but he he's he he finds a way to get the ball in the basket when he is engaged, like you just said. Yeah, I think he has a tendency to be thrown off to the side because of Wall and Beal, and 
it'll probably be important for this Wizards team to make sure they keep him moving and keep giving him touches so that he can keep staying hot. No, I would agree. And I think they got to be for their bench. They probably need, I mean, Scott Brooks is really great at developing talent, but I think they need somebody else to take them a step further. But I hope, I hope they get there. I, I think the score should stay together. Do you think they can get there this year? Definitely not. They could. I thought they could have at the beginning of the year. But, I, I mean, they get up for big games. The East is open. You know what? I'm going to talk myself into it. The East is open. I am not a big fan of the Raptors. I'm not huge on the Celtics. Like, I think they're both consistent. I just I want to see it in the playoffs. They both have weaknesses. Yeah, and then you, we know the Cavs have weaknesses. Yeah. Nate, who do you think is coming out of the East? I'm going with the Cavs. You have to go with LeBron. But, I mean, I think it's a little premature to just give them the throne. They're still in the honeymoon phase with this trade, so we'll see what happens after a few more games once we get the playoffs to see if they really are what they're looking like right now. Yeah. What do you What do you think the Wizards have to do to to make a run? It's going to be interesting seeing John Wall come back from this injury. I mean, they're playing really well. They're passing the ball, what is it, like 30 more times a game? Yeah, they're... they're on average. I don't have the stats uh, on the top of my head, but like... The amount of passes and assists that they've had since Wall's been down has been like in the top of the league. It's been unreal. They're they're a different looking team. So it's all going to be about how John Wall comes back from this injury. Is, is he going to come back with an attitude and just me, me, me and try to show off? Or is he going to adapt and see what they're doing well without him and change his game to accompany that? Yeah. I so mean, it could be beneficial, the fact that he is out, that he's able to watch this. I do want to say, now that we're like on this injury thing... The Wizards are not better without John Wall. All right, there's been a lot of talk of like, oh, like too much talk. This Wizards team has like they've gone on a little streak. Like again, they've been passing the ball well, like you said, Nate. A lot of people have been posing the question like, is there some Ewing effect with John Wall or something? Like, is this team worse when he's on? And that's just not the case. I just want to make sure. Oh yeah, that all the people know we do not believe that on this <laughs> podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And just because you pass the ball more doesn't mean. You're playing better as a team. Uh, Quick rant on the Ewing theory, though, because the Ewing theory is bullshit. Why do you think so? They made the playoffs almost every year with that guy. I don't. Again, I don't have the information in front of me. As soon as he left, what, they made one playoff trip in 20 years with Carmelo Anthony, or two, maybe two or three. So even though they had that one year when he was injured, basically they didn't yeah. do anything afterwards. No, Patrick Ewing was like their anchor. As soon as he left, they were they were shit out of luck. Yeah. So I I think they they probably regret saying that. I, you know, I get, you know who I think is the key to the Wizards right now? Tell Sadaransky. me. <laughs> Yo, Thomas Sadaransky, man. Dude, this nasty. <laughs> he just needs a mustache, and I think we'd be really happy. Sadaransky is the TJ McConnell of the Wizards. Yeah, Basically, that's a good comp, right? Not, that, not in the play styles, but in how people see him as a player. I know I pissed a lot of people off in 2K last year <laughs> because I was playing as the Wizards and would shoot with him, and he would just drain threes all day. Yes. Yeah. A la Iman Shumpert, 2011. Yes. 2K11, yeah. <laughs> all right, so before we talk a little more serious Wizards, and not really very serious, but you know, a little more serious than this, Josh, you know we go to Tasty Diner a lot. Nate, Tasty's like the best diner in D.C. area. Shout out to Tasty. Tasty? Tasty Tasty with two E's. T-A-S-T-E-E. Yeah. You have the capability now. Everybody listening, all ten of you, right? I'm going to up it from five. All right. That works for me. (laughs) Uh, You got got to Google Tasty Diner, two E's. And you got to go to the Bethesda location. Yeah, don't go to Silver Spring. Screw Silver Spring. No, no, that's Uh fucked up. Any diner that has carpet, you got to walk out. That's bullshit. Uh, But really, though, like, why haven't we seen Gortat 
at Tasty Diner. Like, where's this guy eating? So, I have a pretty strong opinion on this, all right? <laughs> Gortat, I imagine him to be just driving out to Rockville every night outside the city, chilling in a cigarette smoke-filled basement bar that serves food made by someone's like 80-year-old grandmother, all right? <laughs> Not his grandmother, somebody else's 80-year-old grandmother, okay? And that food probably consists of pierogies. <laughs> and as he's eating pierogies, he's probably pounding back like 190-proof vodka or some shit like that, all right? So, frankly, we can't hang with Gortat. It's not why haven't we seen him, it's why hasn't... No, you know what I'm trying to say. We're not going to see him anywhere. <laughs> Alright, but like, okay, so Sadoransky is definitely inviting himself along, right? Uh, I think Gortat probably invited him along once yeah. he started stepping up. But I think Sadoransky quickly uh, found out that that lifestyle was just not for him. <laughs> it's probably a little weird between them now. Like They kind of like probably like vaguely talk yeah. because they just couldn't click when they were hanging out, pounding back in 190 proof vodka and pierogies. I, I, this is something I... You know Happy Gilmore? The movie Happy Gilmore? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know Mr. Larson, the giant guy in that, in that? That's how I picture Gortat. I picture him as like some huge guy with a deep voice who like laughs super awkwardly and doesn't know his own strength. Like, <laughs> Gortat, man, you gotta love him. Dude, he's, he's got some of the best hair in the league, for sure. And I'm Googling this tasty place. Did you say he eats there? <laughs> we eat there. Darcy and I eat there. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if he'd fit in there. <laughs> like, it's like, he may not. I was just Googling. It's like a trailer, it looks like. Yeah, it's pretty small. But they have the best steak and eggs. Steak and eggs for like ten ninety five with coffee. Classic. Classic. It's a strip, man. Recommend it, oh, Nate. When you come down, we got to go. I'm down. We'll live pod from there. I'll try anything. Just make sure I'm near a toilet later. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm just picking, I'm just picturing Sadoransky with Gortat and like trying to find a toilet because he's like (laughs) down to a 190 proof vodka. And uh, what's the guy from the the, the Clippers? Um, Milos? Milos Theodosic. Like he's definitely from Die Hard 3. And like it's just smoking packs a day, like just like four games yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at halftime. Then the smoke breaking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on a little more serious note, but still a little goofy here. What if the Wizards never became the Wizards, and they remained in Baltimore? Josh, paint us a Bob Ross picture. I want a couple bushes. Netflix special. Netflix special. Just relax, <laughs> me. All right. I mean, they're. Like, what do you mean? What if? Like, like, what are my options here? That's a, that's they, a broad that's a broad range of history. What Darcy? if they ended up continuing to be the Baltimore Bullets, and they still had so they they have Chris Webber, Juwan Juwan Howard. Okay, what's that team gonna do? Are they are they more of the same, or are they gonna break it out now that they're in Baltimore? Um, that they're out of Baltimore, you mean? In Baltimore. Or in Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I get I get what you're saying. All right. right. Well, one, if you're talking about Webber and Juwan Howard, I want to say no. <laughs> Um, they were together for like what four seasons, yeah, yeah. like ninety four to ninety eight. <laughs> Their only chance of winning anything would have been when MJ retired for the first time, ninety four yeah. ninety five. In that season, Hakeem's Rockets ended up winning two straight titles, and they had the Knicks to compete against. I mean, exactly. there were so many teams were really good, so many quality and teams the Magic and players, Penny Hardaway and Shaq. Yep. You know, Jawan Howard had a long career, but I don't know if he had the career we all expected him to have. Not after his Michigan days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chris Webber, though, he had a good career. He had a solid career. Yeah. 
till he came to Philly. <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo. I went to the first game he played, and it happened to be against the Kings. Sixers won in overtime with Allen Iverson and Chris Webber. The amount of people they tried to pair with Allen Iverson to like just get a little better, do some things. They all just like remember Big Dog. Oh yeah, in? yeah. They had him. They had they had Kukoc at the end of his career. They had Chris Webber at the end of his career. They got him two years too late. Yeah. Uh, all yeah, of this them. Yeah, yeah. Don't have to get started on that. Yeah. I do want to give a little shout out to that like '94 through '96 uh, Rockets team. Yeah, got some fun facts right here, Darcy. You ready for this? I want you to dive really deep. All right, so obviously you have like a twelve foot pool. You have Akeem Olajuwon, right? You have Clyde, Glide Drexler. Yeah, that was nasty. You've got Otis Thorpe, solid player, absolutely solid on the boards. Yeah, you've got Clutch Sam Cassell. Yep. You also have Scott Brooks, the current Wizards head coach. Yo, and they had Robert Ory. Yes. Yeah. So there's some cool connections here because obviously Scott Brooks is coaching my Wizards. Sam Cassell also assistant coach for the Wizards in 2009 before heading over to the Clippers to coach with Doc Rivers. And I just think it's crazy that in this random 94 like Rockets team, Sam Cassell and Scott Brooks coached or played together and both ended up good for the Wizards. Yeah, and didn't, doesn't Scott Brooks hold the assist record for the league, like with 29 or something like that? For a game? Yeah. Really? Yeah, Scott Brooks. We'll have to look people. that up. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure. I mean, still even over even over like John Stockton. Yeah, I think he had twenty nine assists in the game. Oh damn! With the magic. Okay. With Penny. Oh no, it was before Penny and Shaq. I don't know. Well, maybe it was Penny and Shaq. I don't know. Crazy, dude. Why are the Wizards still called the Wizards? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you. It it uh, upsets me. I don't know. If they have they missed out on the Capitals. They missed out on the Nationals. Like, <laughs> what else is there? I don't know. I guess they could be the Senators, even though Ottawa has that. In, Hockey, but I don't think they could pull that one. Uh. And didn't the the Nationals used to be the Senators, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's some conflicting thoughts there, but but the the this Washington basketball team, let's call them the Almost Bullets for tonight. <laughs> um, they they haven't they haven't been the Wizards in a long time. They had those old school like teal and gold uniforms that they got rid of them in 2011. They officially bailed on their uh, Wizard logo. I call them Gandalf. In like 2015, <laughs> and since then, basically just have like a basketball with the monuments of DC in it. Like yeah. the only association with wizards that they have is the fact that the word wizards is on their uniforms. I think they should go with the Washington monuments. Just embrace it. Just embrace embrace yeah. the monument ball. Embrace the monument. <laughs> it's a great uni. Actually, I mean, going back to your question about like, what if they were still the bullets? Right now, their team identity in terms of like jersey stuff. Yeah. Like their jerseys look like bullets jerseys, just with the word wizards instead <laughs> of bullets. Like I just, it makes no sense as to why they're yeah. still the wizards. I mean, I guess you can kind of make sense of it. It's just their branding, but yeah. I don't think there's a connection really at all. No, not at all. I, I hope they change it one day. All right, I think that kind of wraps up our 76ers Wizards segment. Uh, Nate, thanks for coming on, man. That was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. And remember, trust the process. <laughs> we are looking forward to having you hopefully back on later in the season. We can kind of recap some more Sixers. where the Sixers landed. Yeah. Yes, sir. Let's hope they're still alive far into the playoffs. <laughs> Dude, trust the process. Go TJ. Thank you, guys. You got the best podcast ever. Yeah, man. <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks, man. Peace Catch out. You later. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode four of Last Guys Off the Bench. Make sure you tune in to next week's pod where we bring in another good friend, Juan Arondo, to talk about his hometown Spurs and more. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Peace out.